Leviticus 17, 11, victory by the blood. We read this morning, for the life, one, two, go, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. In the Jewish culture, there is a day called the day of atonement. It is called Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day of, of atonement. It's a celebration of what Christ actually has done. When we study what Christ has done for us and we believe it and we begin to live it, we have set ourselves up for a victorious life. We have everything that we need to be victorious already. Whatever you think you need to live a victorious life, not just spiritually, yes, starting from the spirit, then even in your soul, in the mental realm, your academics, and then in the physical, maybe your business or your health, your body, you already have everything. Ignorance is our major problem. When we don't know what we ought to know, when we don't know what belongs to us, you see, the hair, as long as it's a child, will continue to be a slave in the house. It's not better than a slave. But you see, when you begin to mature in the things of God and begin to realize what belongs to you by the help of the Holy Spirit and by your diligent study of the scriptures, life will take a new turn. When we talk about the subject of the blood of Jesus, it is a subject that has been bastardized and reduced to religion in many circles. And so the blood doesn't seem to work for many people because they are not using it by faith and they don't have understanding. When I say understanding, I mean spiritual understanding. Like every other subject of the kingdom, you need spiritual understanding. If you don't have spiritual understanding, you will have religious understanding. And that one cannot help you. That's why when somebody's praying, they're saying a prayer, and other people are saying amen. Then they get to a point and say, I plead the blood of Jesus. What is usually the response? Everybody will chorus, the blood. With our flabby mouth. Not also some people. It's the blood of Jesus. The person said, I plead. He didn't say, let us plead. He said, I plead. And the moment you plead that blood by faith, something happens in the realm of the spirit. Because Satan is reminded of his defeat. It was that blood that crushed his head. So when somebody says, I plead the blood of Jesus, we are supposed to respond saying, Amen. But religion has taught us to say, the blood of Jesus. I say, I plead the blood. I didn't say you plead the blood. <laughs> oh yeah. This is why it doesn't work many, many times because people don't have spiritual understanding. That's why in Colossians 1.9, Paul the apostle said, since the day, he said, I do not cease to pray for you since the day I had it. Now that you, I desire that you, come on now. So somebody's asleep on the system. That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. To know the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. 
understanding. Not just religious knowledge. Spiritual understanding. When our understanding comes alive on any subject, it takes us to another pedestal. It takes us on a higher plane. It takes us on a journey. Spiritual understanding takes you on a journey with God. The day you have spiritual understanding of the power of praying in the spirit, that day your prayer life will take an upward turn. Because now you are not praying to solve your religious conscience. You are not praying so that you won't feel guilty. You are praying because you know that there is a God that hears prayer. You are praying because you know that when you have the privilege to lock hands with God, you set yourself up for limitless possibilities. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. But it is only for those who have spiritual understanding. For some people, prayer is a punishment. If I tell you now, the next 30 minutes, let's begin to pray in the spirit. Some people will switch off. Why now? Why, pastor, preach? Let's go home. Because that, the 30 minutes looks like a time of mental torture. The reason many Christians don't fast is because they lack spiritual understanding of the depth of the blessings that, that are attached to fasting. The reason many don't tithe today and they preach and teach against tithing, I submit to you, is a lack of spiritual understanding. When you have understanding on any subject, it becomes an excitement. I shared with a young man yesterday, he's in the service now. We're together at a communion service before a birthday uh, event. And I said, have you been taking your communion? Because we took communion at that service. He said, Pastor, I'm enjoying it. I'm excited. You see, you are excited because now you have spiritual understanding of what you're doing. You know the spiritual import of what you're doing. Let me tell you what you are doing when you take communion. When you take communion, you are attending to the table of the Lord. You are seated on the table. The Lord Jesus is seated on the same table. He's at the head of the table. What a privilege it will be for the governor of this state to invite you tonight to come and have dinner with him and his family. Maybe nobody in your family has ever had that opportunity before. You don't forget to take your phone along because you must take pictures with the family. You take pictures of the food to torment your friends who are online as you give them minute by minute updates on WhatsApp. Minute by minute. You go from the spring rolls and samosa, the, the small chops, to maybe the first course, to the second course, the third course. It's a three-course meal. And then you go to the drink section and show them the fresh juice, squeezed, squeezed orange juice. It's not processed, squeezed, fresh. Then you take them to the tomato section. Take them to the mango section. Oh my God, every section, you know, there's something for everybody. And then you take them to the meat section. It's a buffet. You show them. We have turkey, you have chicken, you have uh, buffalo. Now you have uh, whatever. It's a privilege. Take it a step further. The president of the Federal Republic of Nigeria invites you for dinner. Ha, ha, ha. They, then go hear them. In the next five years, five years from today, you are still talking about it. Ten years from today, you are still talking about it. Forty-five years from today, you are still talking about it. I remember one time, I had the privilege of having dinner with the president, the then president of Nigeria. But you see, all these people will come and go. We are talking about the king of all kings, whom nobody voted in and no one can vote out. 
and he reigns forever. He had neither beginning of days nor end of reign. He's king and king forever and ever. And then you have the privilege of coming to the table to feast with him. More so at will. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. I give you the privilege to dine with me anytime. You don't have that with the governor. You don't have that with the president. You don't come unless you're invited. But the Lord opens the door by the blood of Jesus. He says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the hour of need. It's an open invitation. I can take communion anytime. I can take communion three times daily. As often as you do it in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? We are remembering the victory of the cross over sin. The victory of the cross over sickness and disease. The victory of the cross over poverty and lack. The victory of the cross over every form of oppression of the enemy. Because he has redeemed us from our enemy. And especially in, a, in, in days like this, there are days of evil and insecurity all over the world. Psalm 74 verse 20. It says, have respect unto the covenant for the dark places of this world are full of the habitations of cruelty. There are dark places of this world and they are full of habitations of cruelty. That's why I put in the confession. The glory of his presence is my habitation. So while the entire world lies in wickedness, 1 John 5, 19, it says we are the children of God. We know that we are the children of God. He said, but the whole world lies in wickedness. I love the way NLT or NIV put it. He said the we are the children of God. He said, but the entire world is under the control of the wicked one. Satan is the wicked one and is the God of this world. Small letter G. He's the God of this world. He's the one controlling the affairs. Of the world, but he is not permitted to control the affairs of your life, especially when you learn to apply the blood. When you learn to properly apply the blood, that blood is not just for decoration. Go to Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11, and then I will begin to preach. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. But I won't preach for too long. I didn't say for long, I said for too long. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, the power of his anointed one and his anointing. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who accused them, they, who accused them before our God, Day and night. Who is the accuser of the brethren? What is his name? Satan, the devil. The word Satan means the resister. He likes to resist us. We want to do something good, he will resist you. You want to take a giant step to go further in your academics or in your career, in your life, in your marital life, he will resist you. He accuses us before God day and night. Day and night. Now he's been cast down. Verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb 
and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. This scripture gives us a picture of an end time battle at the close of this age. In this final battle, God is involved. His holy angels are involved. The believing church of God is involved. Satan on the other side is involved and his demons. An angel made this statement that we read in verse 11. Giving us an insight into the potency of the blood of Jesus. How did they overcome him? It was a fierce battle. They had done everything, but the resistor kept resisting them. Like sometimes in your life when you think, I've done everything, pastor. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've read the word. I've confessed. I've even gone ahead to sow a seed. But how come things have not changed? How come I, I, I still feel this resistance? The Bible says they applied two things. One, the blood of the lamb. Two, the word of their testimony. Three, they loved not their lives even unto the death. Two things I want to share with you from the scripture. If you want to enjoy victory by the blood, number one, you must have an undying commitment, total commitment and faithfulness to your worship of God. Total commitment. If you're writing, write it down. Total commitment and faithfulness in our worship of God. Number two, total commitment and faithfulness in our confession. In our confession. We have a part to play. Let me tell your neighbor this morning, say neighbor, don't dump everything on God. You have a part to play. Find another neighbor. I believe you're not scared of them. Look at them eyeball to eyeball and say, neighbor, you want to enjoy victory by the blood of Jesus? You have a part to play. Listen, that scripture in Revelation 12, 11 tells us the kind of people they were. Those who overcame the resistor, the enemy, Satan. It showed us something about their lifestyle. He said they loved not their lives even unto the death. Self-preservation is a major enemy of the Christian. Having a sense of, I want to preserve myself. In fact, Jesus said that if you try to keep your life, you will lose it. That's why many times people are half-hearted in their commitment to God. When I talk about your worship, you know, I gave you two points and I said, number one, your total commitment and faithfulness to your worship. I am not talking about your songs or your singing. 
When we talk about worship, worship is about our entire lifestyle. It is all-encompassing, including your prayer life, including your giving life, including your service in church, including your singing to God. All of that is called your worship. It is not just when we sing for a few minutes in church, hallelujah, that's my worship. No, this is my worship. Thank God, that's part of my worship. My singing to God is part of my worship, but my entire life is my worship. Who are you? On Monday evening, when you are not in church, who are you on Friday evening when nobody's watching? Everybody's born again on Sunday morning. And I figure that when Jesus is going to return, he won't return on a Sunday morning. For us to enjoy the victory made available by the blood of Christ, we must be totally committed to him in all we do and in the way we live our lives. They loved not their lives even unto the death. They were totally committed. The only set of people that frighten Satan are those who are totally committed to doing the will of God. More than staying alive if it comes to it. I say that again. Satan is not afraid of nobody. Satan is not afraid of your name. He's not afraid of your education. I hope you know. He's not afraid of how much your father has in the bank account. He's not afraid of your pedigree. He's not afraid of your degree. He's not afraid of anything that you've got, but he's afraid of a particular set of people. Let me tell you those people, those who are totally and absolutely committed to the will of God. Those who are committed to doing the will of God, even at the expense of their lives. These are people who have made up their minds that even if serving God leads to death, I would rather die serving God than stay alive living for myself. It was David who said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of iniquity. I would rather embrace the sufferings of Zion than enjoy the pleasures of Egypt. Total commitment. Let me tell you something about Satan. If you are looking for someone that is committed, Satan is very committed. That guy is committed 24-7 to his mission. What's his mission? John 8, 44. Jesus said, you are of your father the devil and his will you will do. He said because he's a liar from the beginning. My God, nobody tells lies like the devil. That guy lies for a living. He lies. Now, some say lawyers are liars. Now, that's not true. Lawyers are doing their job. They are looking for loopholes, you know, something to strengthen, something to weaken. That's what they are looking for. Satan constantly lies. There is no truth in him. He cannot tell the truth. So he's committed forever to lying. So every time you are lying as a believer, you know that you are borrowing something from Satan. Because that's his job. That's his job. Now, he's not only a liar. Jesus said, is the father of it. He gave birth to lying. There was no lie in the world before. Before the fall of Adam in the garden, there was no lie. Satan actually gave birth. He's the progenitor of lies. But not only that. If he just lies alone, that would have been good. He goes further to murder. M-U-R-D-E-R. He's a murderer. Satan 
is an assassin. If anyone will be careless enough for him to murder, murder them, he will do it. Jesus calls him a murderer. Satan is behind abortion in this world. In America today, they are fighting. There are pro-abortion people. There are anti-abortion people. Some people are constantly fighting that there should be abortion. Some are constantly fighting no abortion. Now, Satan does not only abort babies, he aborts dreams, visions, ideas, concepts, and insights. Every good thing that you want to do, Satan wants to kill it. He is that committed. He hates you every time. He, he doesn't like you one bit. He doesn't like you one moment. Even when he's giving you money, he hates you. He's, commit, he's a committed hater. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, Jesus calls him the thief. I believe you know Jesus wasn't calling his own father the thief in John 10, 10. So he was referring to Satan. He said, the thief cometh not but one for to steal. So he's a committed thief. To kill is a committed murderer. And to destroy is a committed destroyer. He's a full-time devil. When you meet him on Sunday morning, he's looking for what to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Tuesday evening, what to steal, kill, and destroy. Friday night, who to steal from, who to kill, and whom to destroy. It's like that every time. But we are one leg in the kingdom. Our other leg is in the world. We want to do a bit of the gospel and then a bit of what is going on in the world. So we are neither here nor there because one moment we are here, the next moment we are there. A part-time uh, Christian, a part-time Christian cannot defeat a full-time devil. Impossible. Satan is not afraid of part-time Christians. The only set of people that frightens him, the set that frightens him, is that set that is committed fully. You wake you up Sunday morning, you are a Christian. Friday night, you are a believer. Saturday afternoon, you are still a believer. <laughs> Tuesday afternoon, you are still a believer. In the place of your business, you are a believer. Some people are Christians only in church. If we come to your neighborhood and say, we want to preach the gospel, will somebody not tell us, eh, excuse me, you are from which church? Say it again. So this one, Tapa, eh. say this one is a believer. If this is a believer, then I'm a pope. <laughs> yeah? In this neighborhood, who doesn't know her? We call her Miss Trouble. If you are looking for trouble, now, you're a part-time Christian. Because listen, you should be who you are every time. Can I have an amen to that? It doesn't matter whether you're in the entertainment industry or you're in the health sector or you're an accountant. We come to your office and say, ah, when, you are looking, when we are looking for someone to doctor the records, someone to help us fap money out. Christians, Christians, giving bloated contracts. Changing figures. The accountant is a Christian. 
Every morning. But then when it comes to stealing, it's the one that helps us to steal and then we share. That's a part-time Christian. Maybe sandwich or distance learning Christian. Sandwich program. Are you with me this morning? Satan is not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your tongues. And may I tell you, those of you that think that speaking in tongues is a powerful weapon against the enemy, no, 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 no. Come to Bible study on Thursday, you will learn. When you speak in tongues, you are magnifying God. More often than not. So don't see, don't feel somehow goose pimples all over your body in the middle of the night and you wake up and say, Sharaba, kalobo koto, rebaya gaga, raba, tukututu, Father, I thank you that I've woken up. I'm a lazy guy. Thank you for waking me up. The devil is afraid of the committed Christians. Ah, it's not about noise. It's about your heart. When your heart is completely committed to God in all that you do, that is your worship. That is your worship. In all that you do. Jesus made a statement in John 12, 24. Go there quickly. John 12, 24. He said, except a corn of wheat falls down to the earth and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Many of us are not yet dead. We are still conscious of ourselves. Our rights. Our body. Now me get my body now. I can do anything I like with my body. What's anybody's business with that? Hey, listen. You have been bought with a price. The price is the blood of Jesus. He shed his blood and he bought you. And you accepted him. And so you got to listen to him. It's not about what you want to do with your body. It's about what he wants to do with your body now. Can I have an amen to that? So before you do anything with your body, ask him, Lord... Will it be nice for, us to, for me to smoke a little bit? Just one cigarette? Just one stick? If the Lord says, yeah, go ahead and smoke. Yeah, go ahead and smoke. If the Lord says so. Lord, um, it's Valentine's Day. Can I at least go to my boyfriend's place and spend the night and have sex? Just tonight. And then we'll repent afterwards. If the Lord says, yeah, yeah, my daughter, yeah, yeah, you can fornicate. Yeah, your body is my temple, but I will, allow you to be, I will allow it to be your body for tonight. Go ahead and do it. Uh, but you and I know that the Lord will not break his word. Can I have an amen to that? The Lord is constantly constant. He never changes. Amen. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he said yesterday, he's still saying today. And he will keep saying forever. Can I have an amen to that? It is we who waver. Today we are a Christian. Tongue talking. Tomorrow we don't even know what we believe. Except a corn of wheat falls down to the earth and dies. Unless you allow your life to die, you won't amount to much in the kingdom. You have to bury your ego, bury your aspirations, and take up his own desires. And let his will become your will. And I was telling them in Bible study on Thursday that when his words abide in you, John 15, 7, 
His words will affect the kind of desires you have. And when his desires become your desires, there is no stopping you because you will always have your desires. Can I have an amen? Because the desire is coming from him. Are you getting what I'm saying, church, this morning? Or am I just sweating? Are you getting what I'm saying? Totally committed. Totally committed. When you allow your life to die and he brings you up again, then your life will begin to bring forth much fruit to the kingdom. But as long as it remains your life, it remains one. And it doesn't have any much significance. When you take a grain, a grain of corn, and put it on the shelf, does it multiply on the shelf? Come on, talk to me, church. If you know a little bit about agriculture, if I want to, have, if I want to reap a bunch, what do I need to do to that grain? You sow it. Genesis 8.22 tells us, while this earth remains, as long as there is this earth, before the new one, this one, seed, time, harvest, day and night, heat and cold, summer and winter will never cease. The same with your life. Sow your life as a seed. I told the young people I met in London, as I ministered to them, thank God for your education. Thank God you have a degree from London School of Economics, from uh, University of Oxford Brooks, University of Hertfordshire, University of whatever. Thank God for your Queen's English and King's English. Thank God because you're looking fresh. I say, hey, hey, all that will not amount to anything unless you sow your life as a seed. Sow your life as a seed. Satan will be afraid of you. The blood of Jesus will work for you. Because you are now God's investment. God is under obligation to protect his investment. Can I have an amen to that? So you won't be praying certain prayers, but they'll be working for you. Because as long as you're on the road, that is God's investment. He gives his angels piece of advice over you. No, he gives them a military charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. And they shall bear you up in their hands. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. Psalm 91, 11 to 13. You know why? Because that is God's investment. You are on air in the plane. They keep, they carry the plane. Not allowing it to crash. Because God's investment is right there. Somebody get what I'm saying this morning? It's a precious life for us to live a fully committed life to God. It's a precious life. Don't be a Christian only in church. And an unbeliever in school. An unbeliever at home. Some of you are born again. You are so born again. Your entire life is born again. Only your phone is not born again. A call comes in now. Your, your ringtone comes out mistakenly. It's a shame. I, was, I saw a secular artist. Nollywood. The guy put up on his Instagram or so. He said, I look at Christians. They are all born again. Until their wedding reception. It is not funny. We should begin to think. Our wedding service in church is holy. The Lord Jesus is there. We even take communion. But the moment we step out of church and get into the limousine. And drive to the reception. Now parents please. One hour. Get out. We want to have our time. What's the first song that blasts from the DJ? Uri yeke yeke. 
Uri ra da da da. No one be like you. Because uri yeke yeke. That is when you will know that Christians can dance more than unbelievers. That's the day you will know that we know the songs more than the unbelievers that sang them. And you see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Somebody was singing in a church on the altar of a youth church. He was singing Christian songs. He's supposed to be a gospel minister. He got to a point he forgot himself completely. And out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth spoke. I saw the video live. Because the word has angel. Does it mean it's a gospel song? The guy that sang that song came out to say, Ah, my song in church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because those are part-time Christians. They are part-time Christians. And I, I have no apologies if they see this video. I have no apologies at all. Let's talk one-on-one. Pastor's children. I have anchored events where pastor's daughter is getting married. No earning. You haven't seen anything. Get to the reception. Oh. Then you will know that if they are broke, it's their business. <laughs> Guys, honestly, these things might sound very funny. But they are not. Because the world is watching us. Those of you that post crazy videos. You do video. You do video. You put secular song. You put some stupid songs. Your friends, are, they are laughing. As, uh, we, are, we are the same. <laughs> now we, we. we go, the only difference is that you, you don't come to club anymore. But club is in you. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? We, we are on the street. So we know that we be street. But you go, go, it borrowed inside you. I'm a baronier now. We see your videos. You don't mistakenly ever preach Jesus on your status because it's not in your heart. Let's stop deceiving ourselves. That's why you bind the devil. We will slap you. You bind me. Who be your papa? Can I tell you that the devil is older than your greatest grandfather? Yeah, he had been created right from God knows when. And you small, you now say, I bind the devil. I rebuke you. Rebuke who? Rebuke who? A fake soldier. A fake soldier. A true soldier is totally committed. I cracked a joke at an event last week. I said, I saw two, so, some two soldiers. They came with a big man. That man, they said, is into the business of building armored tanks in Nigeria. Somebody told me. So I met him for the first time. So I, I went up to, you know, to him and I, I greeted him. And I saw the two soldiers behind him. So I said, I said to everybody with the microphone, I said, how do we know whether these soldiers are real or not? How do we know? So they asked me how. I said, walk up to them, give them a slap. Bah! If they run, they are fake. But if they do not run, it is well with your soul. They say I should be the one to trust. Ah, why are you tempting the Lord your God? <laughs> Listen, on a more serious note, do you know we are supposed to be soldiers of Christ? Second Timothy. Chapter 2. And look at verse 1, then verses 3 to 4. Quickly. Thou therefore, son, my son, please read everybody. No, no, no. Take it from, I've read thou therefore, my son. One to go. Thou therefore, my son. Then you continue. 
be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace in Christ Jesus makes you holy. You can live a holy life in the midst of an unholy world. Everybody is doing it does not mean you should do it. You are of a different stock. We can have a 100% Christian wedding from church to reception till we go home. We can have it. You don't have to set up a bar in your, in your, in your reception. What do they drink in bar? Water? Or Maltina? People are sold out to debauchery. Our souls are cleaving to the dust. We have forgotten that these things are going to pass away. We have forgotten that we are Christians and we are pilgrims on this earth. One day, whether we ride limousine or not, whether we own Escalade or not, we will go. Where are you going? The Lord brought me here this morning to remind you. The psalmist cried out in Psalm 119 verse 25. He said, revive me by your word, O God. My soul cleaveth to the dust. What is dust? All the material things of this world, they are dust. They are dust. They are dust. They are dust. You won't take them to heaven. You won't take them to hell. Whether you are going to heaven or hell, you won't take them either way. He said, my soul cleaveth. I want to achieve this, achieve that. Shokoto today, Abuja tomorrow, America, everywhere. Dust. Dust. I like to attend burial. A lot. Burial ceremony. And I see as they are lowering the body like this, I say, oh, so this is the end. The end of every man. The moment you breathe your last, you can't say, please give me my phone. Let me delete some things. Do you know people literally walk into eternity sometimes? They're walking like this physically and then they slum and, that's, and, and off they go. I was on the airplane from London to Nigeria. November last year, November 29th. Five minutes. The plane had not even taken off. We're still in Heathrow Airport. As I sat in my chair, boom, I was off. I saw my life going like this. And, and the devil told me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you see the stretcher ahead of you? That's your body being wrapped and being put in a body bag. I checked in my bags at Heathrow. He said, your bags will get home. No worry, your wife will get your bags and your children. All the things you bought for them, they will get it. But then that's your body being zipped up in a body bag on the stretcher. I could not even fight. I looked at the, I was still subconscious. I looked at the lady beside me trying to get help. She could not even help me. And I had helped her before. She could not help me. Until the Lord had mercy and that scripture dropped in my state, in my weakness. A scripture, the scripture Genesis 6.3. That's why I tell you to meditate on the word of God. It is what you eat that you carry to fly. Whatever the bird eats, it is that thing that the bird will carry to fly. That scripture came. My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he is flesh. But the number of his days shall be a hundred and twenty. And with, the, with all the little weakness plus strength that I had in me, I said Genesis 6.3 is still in force. Immediately I said it, life came back, sweat broke out of my face. I mean, an airplane is air-conditioned. Sweat broke out on my face. Life returned. 
And it was that time they were serving food. The, the hostesses were serving food on my row. Give me something to eat. I had never experienced that before in my life. I'd never fainted before. I, when they say people faint, I don't know what it means. Say, how can somebody faint? Slap him, he will get up. I never knew. I never knew there's a realm where... <laughs> hard guy! Hard guy! Hard guy! Hard guy! Yeah? I never knew I was softer than water. Yeah, we trust God for a very long life. Amen? And that's what I preach. But peradventure, Jesus comes. Peradventure. I was in the graveyard where I buried my mom last week for a burial of an elderly woman. So I took a tour. It's a very nice graveyard. It's not like the ones you go to and then you'll be afraid. I mean, you don't have the spirit of death in that place, but it's a graveyard all the same. But we don't like to live there. And I was taking the tour around. I saw a very young chap born in 1993 or so. I saw a younger one there. Oh, Jesus. If this is my last service, and I open my eyes in eternity after this service, where am I going? Do we think? Or do we think everything just ends here? It's about my pleasure here. It's about my enjoyment. Somebody's talking about happiness. You know, in the world today, people are crazy about happiness. Make yourself happy. People say, do whatever will make you happy. I submit to you, don't try it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. If smoking shisha makes you happy and you do it, you will find yourself where shisha smokers will find themselves. And I promise you, it is not the heaven that Jesus paid for that they will find themselves. I don't care who preaches to you. doesn't matter. Once your spirit is saved, you know, whatever you do with your life. I, I don't care who tells that to you. Read your Bible very well and tell the Holy Spirit to interpret to you. That when you are born again, you surrender your life. You surrender everything. And then you are not half-heartedly committed. You are wholeheartedly committed. That is the expectation of God from you. Paul said to Timothy, that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the grace in Christ Jesus, does it make you smoke? Is it meant for smoking? Go to verse 3. Verse 3 of that scripture. And, and you, therefore, endure hardness, hardship, hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I wish we had soldiers in this church. Those of you who have done NYSE, how sweet was your orientation camp? You had pleasure? Tosin, you just came back from Sokoto, right? Or what state? Sokoto? Sokoto? How was the walking on the ropes and all of that? That's just a little bit of what soldiers go through. Soldiers are trained under the strictest measures. They are trained for war. When there is a war between Ukraine and Russia, you don't find Ukrainian soldiers eating pizza in McDonald's. 
during war time, you might not have access to water. You might, not, you might never have access to food. That's why they carry biscuits and water in their bags. The necessities of life in their pouches. Just the necessities, not the luxury. The necessity. When water finishes, you are done for. So you have to start drinking your urine. Urine can be dry when there's no water going in anymore. I know people that left Mokola for Libya and died in the desert. They ran out of water. I know those who survived it who came back to tell the story. At some point, they started drinking their urine. When there was no urine again, they died. Because they were dehydrated. Soldiers can be in the bush, lying down with their gun, set in place, watching for the enemy. The enemy is also watching out for them. And then you see a snake coming, whistling. You see the snake. The next thing you hear is... So he has to keep quiet and be praying under his breath. Snake, go away. Snake, snake, go away. Don't come back another day. I beg you, snake, please go. Sometimes they have to endure snake bites, scorpion bites, ants stinging them because they are at war front. Don't you get it? We are soldiers of Christ. We are at war front. We can't afford to be distracted by the things of this world. We cannot. The gospel that only preaches good things to you, the good things of life. You have the good things. 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 It's not a complete gospel. Because you will also taste the hardness as a good soldier of Christ. That's why soldiers are strong. By the time they come out of their training, there used to be a girl in this church who was a soldier. She told me, Pastor, they threw me inside fire. They threw me inside water. I said, why? Because by the time she came, I started walking like a guy. I said, ah, what's wrong with you now? I said, ah, Pastor, if she holds you, you'll be held. <laughs> Have you ever been slapped by a soldier? Please, don't try it. It's not a normal slap. It's different from the slap of a civilian. You will see stars. You will see men walking like trees. Because they have been trained. Trained to live with hunger. Trained to live with thirst. Trained to live without the necessities, even the, the, the luxuries of life. Soldiers of Christ. I prayed, prayed, prayed two years. God has not answered my prayer. I'm tired of that. I will change my church. Change your church. Don't worry. You'll never be a soldier. Ah, when will this war end now? Nigeria versus Somalia. We've been fighting for two weeks. Me, I have my wife. I want to go home. Oh. Listen to me. The day you sign up to be in the Nigerian military, no soldier signs up to say, look, I'm signing up, but I don't want to die. You sign up to die. That's what it means. Because when there is a war, they will deploy you. You can say, no, 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 I'm not going for war. I'm a graduate and I can't go for what? You can't go for what? Why? Verse 4. Quickly, verse 4. Why? Why? Why should you endure hardness? He said, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. We are too carnal. So that you may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. No man that goes to war entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Don't entangle yourself with the vanities of this life. Then, and only then, will Satan have respect for your prayers. 
Then and only then can you command him to go in the name of Jesus. You speak as a soldier with authority, he will go. Oh no, Satan, you can't come around here. This is my family. My dad, my mom, my siblings, nobody must be sick in this house. Now I command you, take your dirty hands off of my father. That's my father. God gave me that father. If it's not perfect, it's none of your business. This is our family. Now, in the name of Jesus, take your dirty hands off his health and go. Because a commander has spoken in the realm of the spirit. They said, when the sons of Sceva wanted to cast out the demon, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, we adjure you, go. The demon said, Paul we know. Jesus we know. Who are you? Do they know you in the realm of the spirit? I'm asking, do they know you? The man of God, Lester Sumra, landed in a country in Asia, in, I think, Philippines. And he, he, he found himself in a situation to cast out a devil. A devil that had turned other people into pieces. As he came into the room, records have it, the demon said, I know who you are, Lester Sumra. Leave me alone, I'll go. He had not started praying yet. Are you registered in the realm of the spirit? Or you have no identity? The reason you have no identity is because even they, they can't tell who you are. Today you are with them and join with them. The next day, you are in the church. What's this way again? Come back, come back. And then you go back again. You are feasting on two tables. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You can't serve the Lord and serve mammon. Many of us are pretenders. Let's be real. In church, you are the holiest, but on Monday night, you are the worst. I speak to you, I speak to myself. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So one is pointing to the preacher, the other is pointing to the congregation. Let's check ourselves. In the day of trouble, all those your songs you don't want to let go of, they can't help you. God forbid, you run a test in the hospital because there's a growth in your body and they say we suspect carcinoma. Do you know carcinoma? That's cancer. Then you say, ah, if I broke now your business, doctor. Will that song come to your mind? The first thing that comes, when you hear cancer, the first thing that attends to that report is death. <laughs> it will take you a while to pray in the Holy Ghost to get home and to listen to faith-building songs. I am a child of the Most High God. By his wounds I'm healed. Are those not the songs that will help you? Why do you want to wait until they give you an evil report before you feel yourself and feed yourself on those spiritual songs? The Bible already has a, has a prescription for us. Hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. If it doesn't fit in any of the three, Trash it. You don't need it. Can I have an amen to that? Next month, worship his majesty. Our focus will be hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. I tell you, people can be healed just singing a hymn. These things have depth. Oh God. I stop there. Number two. Your commitment to your confession. Under number one, write this scripture. I don't have time to read it. First John 2, 17. 
Write it down. Or can we look at it quickly? Oh, God. Let's quickly look at it, please. 1 John 2.17, and then I'll stop at my number two. And that's it for today. 1 John 2.17. Let's, let's read, everybody. And the world passeth away, and the lost thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. May we not pass away with the world. This world will pass away. Aye ye Aye ye Aye It will go. All our aunties and uncles that were bubbling in the 70s and 80s, where are they now? What did they convey? So all of you slay queens now, slay mama, slay, slay, slay. You don't slay giants. You slay by showing your nakedness. Is that how you slay? In the realm of the spirits? Today is so horrible, you can't tell the difference between daughters of Zion in the house of God and daughters of Jezebel in the lecture theater in the universities. We ought to be different. These things ought not to be so. When I'm hard on some of you, it's because I love you, because I want you to be different. You are expected to be different. Don't be a part-time Christian. Be a Christian through and through. In your business, carry your Christianity on your head. Carry it to your business. I always tell my wife, somebody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows you. She said she posted my picture a few days ago. One of our customers called and said, is that your husband? Say yeah, because she wrote something nice about me. Well, that's fine. It's not every time. But we enjoy it while it lasts. Amen. And I told her from the beginning of the marriage, no divorce. So when it is sweet, we enjoy it together. When it is bitter leaf, we enjoy it together. It's called Ofe Ulugu. Amen? When life throws lemon at us, we, we make lemonade. Amen? So it's not always uh, ice cream and pizza every time. No. We quarrel. And our quarrel will be here. So she, but this was a very nice one. So she posted something nice about me. And you know I'm a nice guy. Oh, deep, Gwabi. Oh, deep, oh, deep. And then somebody called and said, is that your husband? She said, yes. You know, <laughs> you know. And I like to surprise my wife sometimes, you know. And I know what my wife likes. But I won't tell you what she likes. So, is she your wife? Are you interested? The lady happened to know me. And told my wife something that happened that I myself could not remember. And she said I was the one that saved the day for her. If I see the lady now, I probably can't even recognize her. But there is something that, there is somebody that knows, somebody that knows, somebody that knows, somebody that knows you. May it not be said concerning you. Eh? Cousin, come, come, come. Is that the guy you want to marry? Laie, that wedding will not hold. Say, ah, no, I love her. Ah! Come, Biko, let's go to Instagram. Brrr. So when I tell you things, the people that go to Instagram, I expose their bum bum, I expose their, don't worry. The bad thing about the internet is that it neither forgives nor forgets. And then brother sees something, eh, to fear qua. But could it be said, and will it be said, and may it be said about us, that we brought the light of Christ to someone, that we were there for someone, that we helped someone, that we showed someone the way. And that even our lives are worth emulating. Number two, your commitment to your confession. What are you saying with your mouth? 
The blood of Jesus and our confession are tied together. In the old covenant, God told them in Exodus 12, put the blood in the basin. Don't let it touch the floor. Put it in the basin. But to get the blood from the basin to the door, to the doorpost and the lintel, God told them to go and get hyssop. H-Y-S-S-O-P. Somebody say hyssop. Hyssop was just one insignificant, inconsequential grass in the Middle East, growing everywhere. Inconsequential. But God told them, go and get it. Don't use hibiscus flower. Get hyssop. God uses the things that are despised. God uses the people that others write off. That's a millennium. What? What can she become? And God says, that's my girl. I wanted to say, may God write good stories about our lives. He has already written them. Can I have an amen? amen? So don't give up. Let people mock you. Don't give up. Because something good has been said concerning your life. Can I have an amen to that? Numbers 10, 29. He said, come down with us and we'll do you good. He said, God has spoken good about us. What has God spoken about you? God told them, get his up. Get his up. So they got his up and they used the his up to spring, to splash the blood on their doorpost and on the lintel of their homes. What does that mean? Your testimony looks insignificant. Your Christian testimony there's a sister in this church. I love when she comes up every time. She comes up. She doesn't share testimony about new phones, new cars, new job, new whatever. She says, I just want to thank God that I'm saved. I knew who I was. Oh, she speaks very passionately. I knew like, and she's the only one that can understand. She and God, because she knew where she was coming from. Like, you know, I, I just want to thank God. I just, this is our body language. I just want to bless God for my life. I knew who I was. I knew where I was coming from. Like, guys, seriously, I thank God who I am now. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about already? That might look insignificant, but baby, never keep quiet. Keep sharing that testimony. Is your greatest testimony what Christ has done in your life. Testimony about I bought a car, Camry 2021, Ogbeni. Some people, they buy more expensive cars for their driver. They don't go to church. Senior pastor told me some time ago, he bought a car and said the car is 20 million. That's small Corolla. He said, but I know people that can buy 20 of that and they won't blink, they won't bat an eyelid. 20 at once. There are people that order cars. They just order like, just give me like 50. I want to dash my, my staff. So, thank God when he does it. But that's not our main testimony. Amen? Our main testimony is the one that money cannot buy. That is how you take the blood from the basin to your doorpost. So, when the destroyer is coming, he has to walk past your house. He can't enter because the blood speaks. Can I have an amen? amen. That's why I said to you, when you get home, draw the bloodline around your home. Draw the bloodline around your room. Draw the bloodline around your hostel. Draw the bloodline around your house. When you draw the bloodline by faith, no enemy can cross the bloodline. Shove kuni. Your confession. What are you saying with your mouth? Are you saying what the Lord has done? Or you are saying what you feel? I mean, I feel like giving up. You see this nursing career? I don't know if I'm going to be anything in it. I don't know if I will make... I don't know, shall I? For the rest of you, you might be enjoying it, but me, I'm not, I'm not enjoying it at all, baby. That's why you're not enjoying it. The, your problem is one inch below your nose. 
your buccal cavity. Some people are frustrated today in the field of medicine, in the field of law, in IT. Talk about any field. Any field that will excite someone else. Some people are frustrated in it. You know why? Because of their words. Matthew 12, 37. Jesus said, by your words, you are justified. By your words, you are condemned. Oh, sorry. Let's read it. Let's read everybody. For by the words of your mouth, oh sorry, for by your words you are justified. And by the words of the enemy, you are condemned. So stop fighting all the witches from my father's house, all the witches from my mother's house, all the evil cockroaches. What are you still waiting for? For that, die, die. Stop wasting your time. Stand before the mirror and whoever you see, that's the witch. Only. <laughs> Many of you don't know. You know in church, we are all very sanctified and blessed. And Confession. You get to the parking lot. Where are you day now? Oh, man, I know day. I know day. Go come. I know just day. Thank God for pastor. What he preached about. I know day. You still know day after the service. You know good day now. Are you good day? I won't take day. I think you see her. You see her? I think you see her. How you doing? Man, I'm frustrated. Man, I'm, I'm just sick and tired. You keep saying you're sick and tired, you will have what you say. It will take time. But you keep saying it. One day, you will eventually be sick and tired. In neurosurgery, they found out in Korea, they found out that the most potent, the most powerful center in the brain is the speech center. Trigger an impulse there. It goes through all the sensory neurons to the motor neurons and is announcing in every department. Let's say, for example, somebody says, I'm sick and tired. So the information goes out. Hey, this department, hypothalamus, what are you still doing? We are sick and tired. Stop walking. Thalamus, what are you still doing? We are sick and tired. Stop walking. Nuclear, nuclear bezai, what are you still doing? We are sick and tired. Shut down. Cortex, cortex. Cerebral cortex. What are you still doing? We are sick and tired. Shut down. It will go around the brain. Then it will go around the system, the body. It will go from the brain to, to the CNS, which is the brain and the spinal cord, and to go to the peripheral nervous system, and to go everywhere, everywhere, until it gets to the cells, and it will keep telling them, we are sick and tired. <laughs> Glory be to God. <laughs> it's like, we are sick and tired. 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 One day, that person will wake up from the bed, and... It will be sick. You can't even pronounce sick. Is it? I'm, I'm sick. Sick and tired. You didn't just get there, baby. You've been saying it long ago. And you got there now. Your words, apart from justifying and condemning you, your words get into your future before you arrive there. You will eventually arrive in the future you are creating now. Where you are today is a product of where the words you spoke yesterday. Where you will be tomorrow is a product of the words you are saying now. Somebody say, I'm going to have scholarships. By the grace of God, I will go abroad. My masters will not be in this country. I will do it abroad. I don't know how the money will come. I don't know where it's coming from. My mom is a pepper seller. I don't even have a father. But I know I have a heavenly father. It will happen. It will happen. I have proven it in my life. Words 
Your words are the start button to your future. Some cars don't use ignition key. No, they don't. They use the start button. The start button. So when you push the start button, yeah. Oh, nice cars. And then this starts working. The words you release start your day, start your life, start your destiny. That's why I'm giving you confession. To confess daily, not weekly, daily. Hear what people say. I wrote an example down. Hallelujah. Now, you need to know that Hebrews 3.1 tells us that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. The high priest goes into the holiest of all once in a year, taking the gift of the people, the, the sacrifices, and he goes before God and mediates between God and man. Once in a year, Jesus is our own high priest. He takes what you say, takes them to the Father. But he can only advocate for you based on the word of God. If you say nonsense, he can't take it before the Father. It's coming back on your head. But if you say the word of God, even though the doctors have told you, you have only two weeks to live, but you get into the word and the word gets into you, and you release the word, it will go before the Father and minister it back to you. This is how I tithe. When I want to pay my tithe, I go on my knees and I worship the Lord. And I say to him, King Jesus, there are certain words I say. I have a confession. And then I, part of what I say is, Lord, I humbly request that you take this tithe, this little token, and take it before the Father. And on my behalf, worship him with it. And then I say, Father, now in turn, bless me, your son and servant. My friend, I'm a blessed man. I've never recorded a better last year. In fact, I don't record the better last month. As things are in this country, me, I don't, they are poor, but I thank God. We should have divine exemption. Can I have an amen? amen. Summer, do you know the hope of some people now? Their hope is one man in Lagos. If that man can become president, oh, they will make it. They put their confidence in a man who may sleep tonight and not wake up tomorrow. Isaiah 2.22 says, Seize ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils. What can he be accounted of? My father of blessed memory. He was hoping that Abiola would become the president of this country and he would buy a car. And what type of car was my father hoping to buy? Volkswagen B2. Because Abiola had promised they would sell that car for maybe 7,000 naira, brand new. I remember vividly. My father was hoping. Then Abiola was not allowed to be president. He was sent to jail. I looked at my father. What becomes of your hope? Don't blame my father. There are many Christians, many Nigerians like that till today. Their hope is in either this politician or that one. Oh God, let him enter. Because if he enters, everything will be fine for me. What? Hmm. Jesus is your high priest. Can I have an amen to that? When I pay my tithe, I see him taking the tithe into the holiest of all. No matter how small, whether it's 100 naira tithe or 200 naira tithe or 50 naira tithe. Some don't tithe at all. They say it's Old Testament. Eh? Do you know the ministry of Jesus right now? I'll teach you that some, some other, very soon, by the grace of God. I need to teach that here. Is one of the most exciting things I love to do, to tithe. I can't wait for this service to be over, to get back into my office. I have one tithe waiting that I want to pay. I'm so excited. I can pay tithe every day. I'm so excited. 
and I've seen results in my life. It's too late for any stupid somebody somewhere teaching, turning the heads of young people to come and convince me not to tithe. It's too late. Look at what people say. They say this about themselves. You know, say, well, I'm just an old sinner, worthless and valueless, like sand. In Yoruba, they say, You keep telling yourself you are sand. You keep telling God you are sand. Is there any element of faith in that? Come on, talk to me, church. You were a slave. Then Jesus came and bought you with his blood and made you a son and brought you into the family of his father. And every day you go to him, you say, Jesus, I know I'm sand. I'm a slave. I'm a slave. Take me as I am. Please, have mercy. I'm a slave. Do you think Jesus will be excited? That's a slap on his investment. Try this when you get home. Go to your dad and your mom. If you have both of them together, go to them. If only one is available, go to him or her. And say, Dad, I'm bad. I'm worthless. I'm useless. I'm not good. I'm not good enough. Not even good at all. I'm just like sand. You can't finish that confession before somebody lands a slap on your face. And say, where did you get that from? No, daddy, I didn't. Did you do something wrong? No, I didn't do anything. It's just my nature. That's who I am. Nobody is good. Jesus said that nobody is good. So I'm bad. I'm evil. I'm useless. I'm worthless. I'm a nonentity. I am just less than a nonentity. I am just there. I'm just, I don't, I'm just stupid. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going with my life. Just have mercy on me, dad. Son, do you know how much I'm paying in Covenant University? Do you think your parents are paying all of this much, this much money to reap a harvest of idiots? I'm an idiot. Oh, Lord, just have mercy on me. An idiot that I am. I don't know anything. So Jesus died to make an idiot out of you? No, I'm asking now. Hebrews 3, 1 on the screen, please. You were a sinner. But he died to make a saint out of you. All of the epistles of Paul, you will see him write to the saints in Asia, to the beloved of God. Look at this. Wherefore, unholy brethren, what did he call you? Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Yay! Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and the high priest of your confession. Or profession, Christ Jesus. Imagine when you now turn that around and when you wake up in the morning and you say something like, Lord, I thank you because I've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. I'm God's beloved. I'm the redeemed of the Lord and I say so. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say what? Say so. I'm blessed with the blessing of Abraham. According to Galatians 3, 13 and 14. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the city. And you take the whole of Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 14. And you proclaim that over your life. (laughs) Psalm 34, verse 11. Psalm 34, 11 on the screen. 
Yea. Come, you children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life? Go on. Go on in the name of Jesus. Media, go on in the name of Jesus. What man is he that desireth life? Anyone here desires life? Anyone desires life? And loves to see many days. You want to live long? Come on now. You want to live long? Uh -huh, it's good now. That you may see good. You don't want to see evil in your life. You want to see good. Can I have an amen to that? What are you to do? Next verse. Keep your what? What part of your body did he say you should keep? Your tongue. Your tongue from evil. And your, your lips from speaking guile. Do good and pursue it. Look at it. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Verse 15, let's stop there. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Stand on your feet, everybody. Your mouth. Your mouth. Be committed to your confession. Confess only what God has said about you this week. Can I get an amen to that? So instead of saying, I'm worthless, I'm useless, what do you say? Have you been redeemed by the blood of Christ? Yes. 